we do invest some of our time mm-hmm. in helping other people to achieve their speaking aspiration. And if, actually, the funny thing is that we keep on calling it pre-production. And actually, every team is doing its utterly best to make it as less production-like uh, as possible. As possible. It, it starts from nothing and it esca- escalates uh, to something. And to, to everything, actually. I would uh, put it that way. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Ball.com Tech Lab podcast. We share our experience with you. Speaking behind the screens of IT and tech in general at Ball.com, the largest e-commerce platform in the Netherlands and Belgium. We are sharing our approach to IT, e-commerce and retail platforms. The hosts of the show, Peter Paul van der Beek and Peter Brouwers. Okay, well that sounded a little uh, different uh, compared to the previous uh, episodes. But uh, welcome. Yeah, so uh, as you heard, we we listened to our... uh, to our listeners, basically, because uh, yeah, they said, "Well, can't you do another intro?" Now, you heard it uh, just before. Did you like it, Peter? I liked it very <laughs> much. Okay. <laughs> so, and uh, one of the other things uh, they said was that they, the, some of the listeners really liked some some technical uh, topics. Just, uh, so let's let's dive uh, right in because uh, I think we have one uh, ahead today. Yes, that's that's true. And well, next week, the twenty fourth of uh, February, we have the Utrecht Java user group meetup. So, um, yeah, unfortunately, there is a waiting list. So keep an eye on it for for this meetup or uh, one of the next meetups, of course. But we have a good moment to to have a sneak peek in the topics. And I saw that there were two topics on the agenda for next week. It's uh, the first one is end to end test architectures, a dead end road question mark and breaking into your Java web app. That are the two uh, the two topics and well, our uh, two guests of the show, they, they will tell you everything about it. So time to introduce them, Peter Paul. Yeah, so uh, today we have uh, Roy Braam. He's a software craftsman at JPoint. He loves Java, DevOps, and everything that comes with developing good solutions. And we have uh, Tadoras Baes. He's a, a Java user group founder and leader in Utrecht. He's a scrum master at uh, ABN AMRO, and he's a coach coach especially around career and mindset and uh, things like that so yeah let's talk about the uh, uh, Utrecht Java user group first what's the the aim the purpose of the group yes uh, so first of all thanks a lot for inviting us uh, here and uh, the Utrecht Java user group is actually uh, a group of like-minded people where we gather together on uh, a monthly basis to share knowledge around the Java technology. So basically, we are actually advocating the Java technology in four main pillars. Monthly meetups, speaker incubator, DevOps for kids, and uh, the UJCP program. I can tell uh, about uh, all these four programs uh, later on. Okay, and how how big is that that group in... Yes, so actually at the moment uh, we count, uh, we exist for the last four years and we count around uh, 2,500 members. Okay, so that's quite a large uh, group, I guess. And is that uh, with with people living in Utrecht and working in other cities or people working in Utrecht and living in Dales or just mixed? I would say it's quite a mix, actually, (laughs) because... Indeed, our base is 
the Utrecht, the city of Utrecht. But uh, of course, Netherlands uh, is not a big country, so we do have people also from other cities visiting our meetups, which is something we really, really like because we can then share knowledge also uh, from other people coming from other cities, from working for other companies with other technologies, and so on and so forth. Yeah. Okay. Hey, and with the with the speaker incubator, you mean that you basically help speakers yeah. uh, first time and help them to other conferences as well, something like that, or please yeah, explain. So, so basically, actually, uh, we started last year, and uh, the idea behind the speaker incubator program itself was to actually give something back to the community. Mm -hmm. uh, because we started growing, and at some point we were like, hey, why not actually starting, why not actually starting to... Uh, build our own, to develop our own speakers. So mm -hmm. we started with uh, one or two gatherings per month. And uh, I would say we had quite uh, some successes. For example, by the end of uh, last year, uh, we had people speaking at uh, major conferences like uh, DevOps or JFAL here in the Netherlands. And uh, we were really happy about that. And this is the reason uh, that we basically continue even this year with this program. So basically, we do invest some of our time mm -hmm. in helping other people to achieve their speaking aspirations, to put it like that. Yeah, exactly. Right. And yeah. by doing that, you also yeah give to the community in the sense that they also help uh, yeah to 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 train or inspire or to share knowledge uh, with others in the in the community. And I guess that that's the whole idea: uh, strengthening the community uh, there, right? Yes, exactly. So yeah, in all these user groups, um, uh, yeah, community is is a thing. Is is, is a, why is it so important uh, for people in user groups? You think? Yeah, that's a good question. Thanks a lot uh, for this one. I would say, if someone wants to boost their career, mm -hmm. this is the very first thing they should do: getting in, being involved. In a developer community means many different things. Mm -hmm. It could mean, for example, sharing knowledge with like-minded people, first mm -hmm. of all. Then you could somehow get introduced to open source projects, which could also boost your career mm -hmm. in a way. Uh, you might get some uh, networking opportunities via those gatherings, those monthly gatherings. Uh, uh, so if at any point you are uh, looking, you are actively looking for any new step in your career, you know a few people who you could reach out to. And uh, yeah, I like taking myself as an example. I started uh, being involved in different communities and uh, via the Utrecht Java user group, I also got introduced to, or I got the chance to start with public speaking, to start mm -hmm. uh, contributing to open source, and so on and so forth. So my take here is that if you really want to boost your career, you should get involved in local developer communities. Yeah, nice. And how did Bolt.com and the Utrecht Java user group uh, uh, cross roads? What, uh... that's, that's, a, that's also a really nice question because uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, we exist uh, for the last four years. So I can still recall one of the very first meetups of our JAG. 
It was hosted here at Bold.com. It goes somewhere around uh, 2016 or something like that, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, we did have Bold.com back then uh, as a host, and we were really happy uh, with the way we collaborated. So also looking at uh, this schedule for our meetup next week, we thought, hey, why not giving it a try? Why not give it a try to host a meetup there next week? It's been a while. We worked uh, together for the last time. Yeah, and uh, yeah, thanks uh, to Doris for this introduction on the jug. Uh, so, Roy, did you get introduced in in the? How, how did you get introduced in the? Well, um, I think I was there also in the first one. I think it was here indeed. All right, yes, <laughs> yeah, Actually, I, yeah, I remember that. And uh, yeah, like like the other said, uh, I think meetups are especially meetups are a very um, easy way of, uh, of of getting involved in, in what others think. And I think it's too easy for us, like as developers, to get isolated uh, with your thoughts. And of course, we are a bit stubborn as developers, right? So um, it's always good to share knowledge uh, uh, between each other and uh, just to broaden your knowledge and, and, and take a different point of view. So um, that's also what I did. So that's why I also uh, went to the, the Utrecht meetup. And uh, yeah, I'm uh, coming there more often. So yeah, I really like it. And do I understand from your <coughs> from your story that back then you were just listening and now you yeah. gradually become a speaker into that? And yeah, correct. Could you share a little on that? Yeah, so um, uh, back, back days I was working at Rabobank, um, so a big financial institute in the, in the Netherlands. Um, I did internal presentations a lot, um, but I also wanted to um, yeah, do presentations uh, on, the, on the bigger conferences and the meetups, etc. So I also started doing that. And um, yeah, so I think for now two, three years or so, I'm talking at, uh, at conferences different than internal conferences. So yeah, I really enjoy it. And also, uh, so the the jug leaders uh, they they uh, asked me to do a presentation here uh, for the for the Utrecht here, which I really appreciate. So thanks for that, by the way. Thanks for <laughs> accepting the invitation, <laughs> of course. Yeah, okay. really awesome. And that's uh, so that we we don't have to make the bridge because you already did. <laughs> we are moving to your presentation. So what's the topic of the presentation, and what's? Yeah, the topic is about end-to-end um, -end test environments. Um, yeah, I see a lot of people struggling with it, um, especially at bigger bigger organizations. Uh, I can imagine even Bol uh, has some struggles with it. Um, but at, especially at Rabobank, where I was uh, back then a um, uh, solution architect, I really saw all these teams struggling with these end-to-end uh, -end test environments, but still doing it because there was no other way of doing things. So uh, when I became a solution architect, um, uh, we decided actually to stop these end-to-end -end test environments and um, just to see how we can do without it. So with my talk, I hope that I can talk to people and explain them why you don't need them always, and maybe you can rethink them and yeah, just ditch them. That would be my uh, awesome goal if people went out the room and say like, yeah, okay, maybe we can do some uh, less of end-to-end uh, -end test environments. But uh, <clears throat> of course, I guess in a way they, they were made for a purpose, uh, these end-to-end -end test uh environments yep. and, and you still have to yeah fulfill the requirement of that and that's is that also what you're going to search for in your presentation then yeah yeah so i hope indeed that uh, of course a lot of things are changing in our um, uh, in our environments and our jobs like for 10 years ago uh, we didn't hear anything about devops right nope. uh, automation we did a bit uh, probably we're working with uh, one or two teams on the product now i think a lot of the of these things are changing and all these things are actually making it harder to have a 
uh, enterprise-wide kind of testing environment where everybody deploys their pre-production stuff and hope everything keeps on working the same as in production. I think that's a bit, um, yeah, we are doing that, but we can do these test qualities on a different uh, level. Um, so, for example, uh, we can look at uh, um, consumer-driven contract testing, for example, or all these kind of things, uh, which I also have in my presentation, uh, to actually have the same amount of quality in your code, the same gates, the same things, but that not with a, with a, a flaky end-to-end -end test environment. And part of the flakiness also comes from that every team then has for like a, a certain version of their service on, on this uh, testing environment with a certain amount of data and the correct data. And I, yeah, the coordination of that, that's quite a hassle, uh, yeah. and yeah. tremendous effort. And yeah, maybe we can spend that effort on, on something else and uh, come up with a more intelligent solution. That's basically where you're heading, I guess. Yes, indeed. So that's uh, precisely it. Because, and if actually the funny thing is that we keep on calling it pre-production. And actually every team is doing his utterly best to make it as less production-like uh, as possible, right? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it's it's a kind of funny. I actually, have, um, in my presentation, I did this presentation before and I asked, uh, do you have uh, funny names uh, for these kind of environments? And actually, um, I can't remember which uh, company has it, but they call it uh, the fake news. Uh, okay. environment <laughs> actually because they have uh, all kind of uh, uh, tests that are failing uh, randomly and all those kind of things so yeah i, I think that's uh, you're actually uh, <laughs> that's and then also um uh, we have uh, another colleague who's also uh, presenting at uh, at some of the conferences uh, about uh, basically his his most used title is testing in production so that's not yeah, well, why do it before production? Well, production is your ultimate production environment. Yeah, production is the place you want to be, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, that, um, what are your thoughts on, on, on that? Is it also a little yeah. in your presentation or is that something completely different? Yeah, I actually, um, yeah, it's also in my pr presentation. Um, I'm a bit careful with mentioning it like production uh, testing in production because because in production, things are real, and especially <coughs> for a bank, for example, money is also real. So yeah. hmm, <laughs> for us also. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's kind of, uh, it depends on who you're talking, of course. But it, indeed, it's testing in production, but of course, with minimizing the risks as much as possible. And um, we're saying testing in production, but before going to production, we already had a lot of quality gates and tests, and etc. And we are kind of comfortable with moving into production, and then we do some final tests with minimized risks in production. And I think um, you should not be uh, afraid of that. If you're comfortable uh, with that, you should just do it. And I think more and more people are doing that uh, with all kind of canary testing and, and beta groups and all those kind of things. Um, and people are less afraid, but some people are still a bit afraid of, of uh, testing the final points in production. I think... Um, yeah, if you already tested so much and you put so much effort in your unit test and in your integration test and all those kind of things, it's and you're comfortable going to production, then you can test there. Uh, I think that's fine. Hey, one of the solutions you said was uh, the customer-driven contract testing. Yeah, consumer-driven contract testing. Yeah. Yeah. What is it? Can you explain briefly? Yeah. So uh, imagine a very simple uh, situation where you have a producer and a consumer. So one of the teams is making an API and it's consumed by another team. Um, in the first point, we always think like, yeah, we are 
building up an API for that team and they have to use it. But what if we turn it a bit around? What if that team first provides the expectations to the producer team like, okay, I want an API and I want it like this. And they're providing their expectations as consumers to the producers. And those producers are, uh, are using it as tests. And those tests, they will make it pass. So it's also a bit of test-driven uh, development. So it's a, a bit of a way around. That's ultimate consumer-driven contract testing. But the consumers are providing a contract. Like, okay, I, if I call a customer that doesn't exist, I get a 404 and uh, HTTP 404. And if I do a request with the customer exists, I expect a JSON back with these kind of fields in there. Uh, that field is a number, it's all, all those kind of things. And so they're providing a contract like this, shit, this is how it should be. And that's, of course, an ultimate way of doing it. But also it can be that there's existing API, but uh, the consumers are providing their expectations. So the producing party is always sure that they never break uh, any of these uh, API calls. And the consumer party is, is happy because their, uh, their way of using the API is also always tested in the build of the producing team. Okay, and, and so that, that's the, the interaction between the consumer and the producer. Yep. But I can imagine that if you have a, yeah, quite a big landscape, you have a different uh, steps, uh, different chains, yep. uh, so different consumers and producer, producer. How do you ensure that the chain keeps working? Or is that totally covered with, with this producer and consumer agreement? No, I think it's not Contra. totally covered. I think that's a, a bit of a, <coughs> of a different thing. Um, so indeed, m most of the times the end-to-end -end test environments are used for uh, chain testing or for, for chain testing. Uh, but uh, what I also see is that people are testing each other's code. So um, most tests are the scope is not clear, for example. And uh, you see the, the some teams are testing other ones' code because they don't do their testing or they don't, uh, don't do their uh, quality gates uh, that good. So uh, what my advice would be there is actually to first start look at what you want to test, and uh, most of the times that's your own software and your own boundaries with the other systems, and don't try to test um, the whole environment at once. Uh, I think that that's a big mistake people make, that the scope is too big for them, and um, that, that's then when you need end-to-end -end test environments, uh, and I think if you do this scoped with uh, the boundaries of your own system, then it's, it's much better. You achieve the same uh, amount of quality. Yeah, are there any other alternatives uh, besides the consumer-driven uh, contract testing? What? Yeah, of course. Um, so um, uh, what, I, what I see a, a lot with teams that do this uh, more often is that they do uh, a lot of stubbing and mocking, of course. Uh, sometimes these stubs and mocks are provided by the other teams. Uh, most of the times they're made by themselves. I think there's a lot of uh, tools that make it very easy, like uh, Wiremark and, and uh, a lot of things uh, like that. Um, so you see that a lot, of course. Uh, what you also see, what we just said, like we test in production. So you minimize risks there with blue-green deployments, a canary releasing, uh, all those kind of things to make it um, the test as small as possible. Uh, yeah, th those kinds of things, actually. Yeah. yeah, and can you also elaborate a bit more on the, uh, the, the type of environment you, you need for that? Huh? Because uh, you already asked, what, what about bold.com? Well, in bold.com, in our data center, we, we had this setup that we have a, a acceptance environment, which is totally in line with production and in terms of numbers of service, that kind of stuff, uh, to enable end-to-end -end testing, uh, to, to also do the, to do the performance test, the load test, et cetera. 
but now in the move to the cloud, we see that we have a production environment and we have a non-production environment. And on non-pro, yeah, you have to do stuff like the, the contract testing, stubbing, that kind of stuff. So can you say something about the, the, the impact on the environments you need? Yeah, so um, if I look at the, at the most experience I have with the Rabobank, there we had actually all this, also the same. So we had a, um, a very clear uh, development, test, acceptance, and production environments. And when we moved to the cloud, we actually said, no, we're not going to do that. We have two environments, like the non-production and the production yeah. environment, like Bol has the same. Um, and we said, everybody's free to do the thing they want. So if they want to set up an acceptance environment in this non-production environment, they're fine. Uh, they can do it. But um, the teams where I was uh, working with, they're all platform teams. We said, we are not going to provide any of these kind of things in the in the environment as a platform. So if you want to test your own, you have to also mock the, the platform yourself. Okay. So that was a very clear statement. It, it, by the way, it cost me a lot of time to explain it to the other departments because not everybody was that happy with it. But anyway, and um, uh, yeah, actually, uh, so we actually ditched two of these environments because we didn't have a, 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 a develop and a test environment anymore, um, which is also um, costly, of course, less costly than, than in the old situation. So, yeah, that's yeah. how we did it. Yeah, exactly. So, okay. Well, uh, so, yeah, for that part, uh, the the end-to-end -end, uh, testing, um, maybe good to, to dive into the other subject as well, Todoris. Uh, well, the, the other uh, presenter for the evening is not there, but can you share what the, what the other talk is about? So, yeah, first of all, uh, we are sorry, of course, that Brian cannot be with us tonight. Uh, he's flying uh, to DevNexus conference. And uh, yeah, basically, uh, in this session, we will demonstrate how common vulnerabilities in the Java ecosystem are exploited uh, on a daily basis by live hacking uh, real-world applica application libraries. All the examples uh, used are commonly known exploits, some more famous than others such as Apache Struts and uh, Spring, break remote code execution vulnerabilities. So basically, by exploiting them and showing you how you can uh, be attacked, before showing you, of course, how to protect yourself, you will have a better understanding of why and how security focus and DevSecOps is essential for every developer nowadays. Yeah. So yeah, I really liked the the, the introduction. Uh, I read it as well that that you are really going to, and not you, but Brian, of course, but he's going to demonstrate, uh, yeah, what what yeah, the, and, what the uh, issues are and and uh, make you more aware. Maybe I can also add uh, a personal note on that uh, because uh, I had the chance uh, to see that talk uh, in an internal conference we had uh, at ABN Amro uh, three or four months uh, ago. It is a cool one. Okay. <laughs> you need to attend that because it's indeed about uh, life hacking. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, it starts from nothing and it es escalates uh, to something and to, to everything, actually. I would uh, put it that way. So, yeah, it, it will also be a good one. Yeah, and the way it presented is also very funny and informative. Yeah, so, that's really, I also sort of talk. It's very cool. Yeah. Okay, so because in. Um my experience sometimes, uh, yeah, the security talks tend to be a little, uh, yeah, let's say boring or <laughs> monotonous or something. Yeah. But uh, also here at Boldcom, we have experience with some security trainings which are brought in a very vivid, lively uh, manner where they really show you how, yeah, how hackers think and what they are doing, and then basically not stating how stupid you are if you're <laughs> not doing it, but how easy it is for hackers actually to to use with the. 
stuff you're working with and then uh, making you aware in a sense like that. Is it like also a little in that tone of voice? Is that correct? I'm sensing that's correct uh, from I, I you guys? Say, I would say yes. <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's, a, that's for me a real cool way of, of bringing this because that really raises awareness more than just bullet points and pointing out, uh, okay, yeah, yeah, be aware of this, uh, be aware of uh, SQL injection, be aware of you know, showing actually how it's done and how you can uh, uh, yeah, use the functionality on sites or on, of services to your own advantage, uh, whether you're a real hacker trying to get in or a user trying to make a best of, uh, the best of a website, for example. Yeah, I really like that. Uh, yeah, I also like that the the theory, of course, like like you said, the bullet points are always clear. Like uh, you know about XML injection <coughs> or SQL injection or all those kind of things, but when they really show you how it's used, then it's like, oh man, this is really <laughs> so easy uh, as a hacker. So I have to really uh, yeah defend myself against these kind of things. It's, it's I would say it's basically more or less uh, on the same level of awareness your talk uh, is trying to touch upon. So. You will show, I guess, uh, how not to do things, yeah. uh, how to prevent things. Uh, this is all uh, what Brian's talk is all, also about. We will let, we will see patterns or bad practices to be more aware of that nowadays and uh, to know how we could best prevent this kind of uh, vulnerabilities. Yeah. yeah. Is, is it also the, that evening that uh, that participants dive into their own code, or is it? The, uh, no. he shows and then basically uh Brian is uh, actually showing uh so there will be no no hands on no hands on for oh. for uh, the participants but i guess uh, the examples will be shared yeah so and the demonstration will uh, really trigger you to to dive yes. into your code on, yes. uh, the next yes. day yes. and yes. Uh, check it out uh, yes. okay really nice is it, but there's indeed also a link to the to uh, testing stuff right if uh, yeah Testing on vulnerabilities, so it, there is definitely a link with your talk. Uh, yeah, yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah I think uh, like uh, Todor said, yeah. like it's the same thing. Like some of these yeah. are best practice or uh, worst practices. Are uh, yeah. we just want to show you that there are other things how to use it. And for security, it's a must, of course, because it's security. Yeah. But for testing, it's uh, yeah, and then um, probably it will speed you up and make you faster. Yeah, but that's always the case that you want to uh, you want to go to production as quick as possible. So yep. everything you have to take into account in 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 the test stage, yeah, you want to get rid of it as soon as possible. So there's also an automation part for this one for the for the security uh, area or not? Is it uh, how do you edit those vulnerabilities are well known, so you can test on it, right? Yes, but uh, to that extent, I cannot elaborate <laughs> okay. more. To be honest. <laughs> Yeah, maybe, maybe. Uh, yeah, then we should we should show up next week. Uh, but uh, fortunately, we yes, are on holiday. Please do show uh, up next week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great. Um, yeah, maybe before we go uh, to the to the closing round already. Do you have questions left, uh, Peter Paul? Uh, uh, um, I like uh, for especially for this evening the 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 similarities that you uh, pointed out to Doris that they're they're uh, the security and the testing things and that is. A part is also showing what you shouldn't do by just showing it, and then people uh, making basically making them feel, uh, ouch, yeah. <laughs> ouch, I shouldn't do this. I've been doing this for, I don't know, two years, three years, maybe their whole lives. Oh, it can, there's so because um, yeah, all, all those software developers are 
really rational people, at least in my experience, that sometimes that feeling of, oh, oh, I, sh I shouldn't have done this, that, that really makes them uh, turn around and uh, move to better practices. And I, I really like that. And I think uh, hearing these, uh, these abstracts, uh, uh, both from Brian Talks and from you, uh, yeah, really interesting. Cool. Yeah, I think it's also, it's very easy to keep on doing the things that you do. And sure. um, it's always nice, like these meet of and also these presentations that you will see that you will be pointed to things that maybe there are better solutions of, of, uh, of, cause, of helping you causing the same problems. And that's what I like uh, about the talks, especially one from Brian, indeed. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Yeah, and um, the and th this meetup is is at Bold.com with these two uh, topics. Uh, what is the next meetup about after that? Just to make a bit of promotion. The next meetup, uh, you know, the, we always plan up front. Uh, so uh, I cannot share the the exact details yet for uh, the meetup uh, of March because it is not announced yet. However. I can share something about April. April, uh, we celebrate four years of uh, Utrecht Java user group, and uh, we will have Josh Long with us here in Utrecht. So please do keep an eye on our uh, meetup.com uh, page. Okay. okay. And yeah, <laughs> that would be all, I guess. I, okay. I already mentioned enough. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, well, then let's go to the closing round. And um, yeah, to summarize for our listeners, can you share your most important takeaway with us? Who wants to start? Dolores. I think, yeah, thanks. Uh, I think I already mentioned that uh, in the very beginning. Uh, so my most important takeaway is do get involved in developer communities to boost your career. By just being there, by just showing up, it is almost 100%, I would say, of uh, the upcoming success. You will get introduced to people, to open source projects, maybe to other meetups, uh, to maybe future working opportunities, to speaking opportunities. You, never, you can never know. And of course, as Roy correctly pointed out, sometimes we are really not that sociable as developers. So I know in the beginning it is quite tough to get out of your comfort zone but please do get out of your comfort zone do something different go attend a meetup uh preferably next week starting with roy's talk <laughs> and then brian's talk and uh, let's have fun uh next week guys thanks a lot thank you thank you doris roy yeah i want to add to that indeed uh, it's too easy to uh to just get yeah get out there um go to a meetup uh, Join us. We all started uh, that way. Um, I think we all like to have a conversation with people, uh, less skilled or skilled. You always have something that you can share, or you have something always uh, something to learn. I think it's a very good opportunity to uh, to to get to know each other, uh, get to know people out of the field, um, get out of your uh, bubble, and uh, just get more knowledge the next day you wake up. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So really great to to hear uh, hear this from uh, from you guys. Uh, so thanks, uh, Roy and Todor, for for sharing with us. And I must say that the 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 stereotype of of the 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 software engineer. Uh, well, if you hear stories like this, it's totally untrue. Eh? The 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 group is like twenty five hundred people uh, in total. Uh, 
strong community already and and social part in it so it's really great to to hear those stories and and also to to dive into the to the subjects of course so uh yeah thanks for sharing and uh hope to have you uh, back another time uh, if possible yeah thanks a lot also for uh, inviting us i guess and a uh, really cool initiative yeah thanks yeah. Yeah, thanks. I, I really like the enthusiasm, and uh, I, I'm sure that that will uh, also, uh, yeah, be what you will be radi- radiating uh, next Monday. So, uh, good luck with your uh, talks then. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you liked the episode, check some of the others. Go to Spotify or iTunes, search for Tech Lab, and subscribe. Leave a five-star review so others can find the podcast easier and spread the word. We like interactions, so if you have any questions or suggestions, find us on Twitter, LinkedIn, or mail techlab at ball.com. Hope to meet you in our next episode. Have fun!